I woke up as the sun was reddening, and that was one distinct time in my life, the strangest moment of all, when I didn't know who I was. I was far away from home, haunted and tired with travel, in a cheap hotel room I'd never seen. Hearing the hiss of steam outside and the creak of the old wood of the hotel, and footsteps upstairs, and all the sad sounds. And I looked at the, at the cracked high ceiling and really didn't know who I was for about 15 strange seconds. I wasn't scared. I was just somebody else some stranger, and my whole life was a haunted life, the life of a ghost. Hello and welcome to episode 460 of Under the Cull of MS. That was a little quote from Jack Kerouac on the road. Today's going to be a makeup for missing Tuesdays and Thursdays comics and MS episodes. So I just didn't get those out this week, but I am going to put one out today on a Friday. So hopefully it'll make up for it. Starting out with Hulk. Number eight. I don't know if I had number seven or not. I think I might have, but this is the final chunk of the Hulk. First Thor Banner of War. Five-part issue. Oh, I grab my glasses because I have them here, so I can use them for once. Whereas usually when I'm recording somewhere else, I don't have them. All right. Hulk was recently undergone, has recently undergone a dramatic transformation. His alter ego, Bruce Banner, has split the Hulk into three distinct parts. The Hulk's body has been turned into a starship. Banner's psyche pilots it from within the Hulk's mind. And the Hulk's psyche fuels the starship with his anger. Thor is the king of Asgard, having recently taken over for his father, Odin. He is struggling to balance his role as the All-Father with his role as one of Earth's mightiest heroes on the Avengers. Recently, Odin died in battle, and his spirit now inhabits Thor's hammer, Jolner. And then this, like I said, is part five of five for the Banner of War run. After Hulk was accused of murdering a bar full of patrons in El Paso, Texas, Thor set out to apprehend him leading to an all-out brawl between the two titans in the far depths of space. During their battle, Odin's spirit entered Hulk's mind and connected with Bruce's memories, revealing that a mysterious dark force called Titan has seized control of Bruce's body in El Paso and killed the bar's patrons. (coughs) Excuse me. Iron Man joined Thor in this battle. But things took a disastrous turn when Hulk set off a massive explosion that infused 
Thor with Gamma. The now hulked out God of Thunder set off on a rampage, forcing Iron Man to retreat and resulting in the destruction of the Rainbow Bridge. Left with no other option, Odin made a deal with Banner to try to subdue his enraged son. Now a gamma-irradiated Thor faces off against a Majol- after a Jolner wielding Hulk. Jolner, Jolner, however you want to say it. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. Was an interesting run. They finished it off well. I like this, how they finished off this run and how this whole run went. Still not really big on the whole character. It was fun at the beginning with the three different entities. And it got more fun when we got to see a Hulk out Thor. But. And the beginning here, they have a nice little commemorative thing for Tim Sale. Uh, and then the storyline starts out with the question giving us that question that has been asked for decades type thing. Then we get to see the battle as it ensues. And it's a fun battle. Very interesting. Lots of action. Lots of things happening. You get to see what Odin has to do, you get to see what Stark has to do with the whole battle and everything. And then you also have them crossing into areas where people don't know what's going on between the two characters. And they're using their own judgment, of course, to decide whether or not someone's good or bad. Just by, by using their judgment of what they see. Which is something you should never do, and you should realize that by now, after being an Avenger and a superhero or whatever for how many years we know this from these billions of stories we have of the same shit happening over and over, just different people or different backgrounds or whatever, different arguments. But I don't know. There's something up with Tony. Tony and Bruce got issues because Tony, I think, pushes. Every time I see anybody talking about killing off Banner and Hulk, it's always Tony that's behind this shit. I think Tony's the one that needs to be taken down. I mean, Christ, the guy built weaponry to take countries out, destroy worlds, destroy everything. But yet Hulk's the bad guy? He has a little temper once in a while. They won't kill a supervillain that's wiping out tons of people. But they have no problems going after the Hulk and trying to take him out all the time. I don't know. I have not read every story about the Hulk, so I can't give you a perplexed answer about it. But in my opinion... I know where I feel where the guy's coming from. 
taking all, getting all this weird radiation, these weird effects and issues and problems, and no one wants to help them out, or they just constantly think about wiping them out instead, and yeah, that's just not right. Oh, I can't stop yawning now, damn it, that was fine, until I started the podcast, I'm yawning, constantly. Ah, it's irritating. All right, next up, the fun one was Jinx Grim Fairy Tales from Archie's Horror Line. This is number one, but it's a one-shot. And it's fun how they did this. You get a few different stories, but you get it told told through the eyes of a babysitter who's dealing with two little shits that are just destroying the house, misbehaving. So Jinx sits him down and says, hey, I got some scary stories. And kids, when they hear scary stories, usually want to hear them, even though they scare them. The first story ends up being the monkey paws, or the monkey's paw. Style story where you got to watch what you ask for. I mean, you come across something, you make a mistake and say a wish or something like that. And then all of a sudden your wish comes true and it ends up destroying your life because you didn't realize what the consequences of the whole wish would be. And then the next story was Ye Old Riverdale. Will the real sorcerer please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Seems slim shady. <laughs> uh, but we get a conniving swindler that has a creature trapped in a cage that so happens to be supposed to be his partner. But we find out that... Uh, they used a spell to cause a curse, to cause people to fall in love with them and their products and all that. And we get to see what happens and Jinx comes across this and does what she can to change things and fix things. It was a fun story. Then we got the true story of Kev Natella. Where we see a prince who doesn't want to marry a certain queen. Has a different feeling to who he should marry. And makes a certain comment comment that in the long run kind of bites him in the ass. And... You got to read to see what happens from it. See if if and how they fix things. And then in the back we get some. Some concept art. Some other artwork. Some. A, basically a story of how this. Whole comic, comic had 
had come to be, which is nice to nice story about what was up with everything and then the rest of it was a bunch of advertisements, but in the advertisements there is a fun little bite-sized Archie preview of a webcomic series that is coming out in print. Which, after reading that little four-panel cartoon about it, I definitely want to see what's up with it. They do have a thing on the back that I totally forgot about. Uh, Teen Jinx Holiday is Riverdale's go-to babysitter. She's got a knack for taking care of the unruly kids other babysitters won't go near. The key to her success? Her book of unique fairy tales. These aren't your usual tales of princesses, mythical beasts, and magic. Oh no. In Jinx's book, all the characters have a price to pay. And it's usually paid towards someone who looks and sounds a lot like Jinx herself. These grim stories based on folklore will strike fear in the hearts of anyone who hears them. Read along with Jinx if you dare, and don't expect everyone to live happily ever after. But yeah, that was fun. I'm glad they brought this out. I hope they do it again next year for Halloween. Another one. Just watch her keep babysitting a bunch of little shits. And watch her scare them into place, and into behaving themselves. Next up, we got Man Goat and the Bunny Man. Part two of three, Green Eggs and Blam. This story is still stay, staying strong. In this part, we see a bunch of char- bunch of the characters trying to find the Bunny Man, who just so happens to be off with this other character, this Jackalope character. They play around with his name a lot. But, uh, the bunny man is obsessed with finding his dad. Jackalope character says he's can help, he'll help find his dad. So he hangs out with them. And it just so happens that while. Uh, what you call it, a uh, laboratory or some type of building that the jackalope and the bunny man go into just so happens to be destroyed. And when while it's being destroyed, they grab a box from it and go running off. And when they get to a hotel room to hide, The bunny man decides to open the box and see what's in it. And it just so happens to have some more information about his father. And so now we got a bunny man. We got a jackalope character. We got a character that's part octopus. We got the goat man. We got a couple grails that are hanging out with the goat man and the octopus dude. And, uh, yeah, they're just trying to catch up to the bunny man and save him from some bad things that he could come across that 
while he's searching for answers about his fa- missing father. But yeah, one more issue left of that. I think they could have easily went five issues on this. But we get what we get. And I like it. So then I want to go back and read the original run too. So. Then we got Ninja Caden number one. Now I said back when I previewed the review of this that I got this thinking I I was thinking I believe of Ninja Gaiden the video game and but I I swear I've seen this name before but oh well this is by Black Box Comics Palicki Meyer Bartolo and Sienity and this was fun. This was not at all what I was expecting. Uh, we get a character that gets his father father's suit that he's built, set up, and something happened to his dad. And things he's working with uh, some type of organization. And they're trying to teach him how to use the suit and find out what's up with this suit. Well, apparently a suit was designed with the concept of cats, because if you ever stare at, look at a cat every now and then, they'll just stare into space intently. And they did some research and felt like the cats could see the spirit world. Well, they'd fix up his armored, new armored outfit with a, Helmet that has a shield that has the same concept of what the visual concept that the cats have. So they test it out, and sure as shit, he comes across some ghost. Just so happens that he's able to grab one while he's in this outfit. And we get to see, you got to read and see what happens. With it all, but I am highly interested in seeing where this is going. I like the character himself. Uh, He's in bed with some of the people trying to get this thing figured out and stuff. So he could be getting screwed over in the future. I hope not. But yeah, that's just watching them and using this concept of an animal that can see ghost and playing off that all that to build this entity i guess we'll have to see what happens and because i don't want to give anything away but ninja kaden the character does happen to come across something highly interesting towards the back of this story but yeah Being able to see and touch ghosts because of the outfit. That was pretty interesting to me. I will definitely read all five issues of this story. I am looking forward to them. And speaking of the dead. We have the Army of Darkness versus Reanimator number two. Necronomicon Rising by Dynamite Comics. Uh, 
of okay of Herbert West, who was my friend in college and in in afterlife, I can speak only with extreme terror. This terror is not due altogether to the sinister manner of his recent disappearance, but was endangered by the whole nature of his life work, and first gained its acute form more when we were in the third year of our course at the Miskatonic University Medical School in Arkham. While he was with me, the wonder and diabolism, diabolism, doesn't that sound like right when I say that? Diabolism of his experiments fascinated me utterly. That was by H.P. Lovecraft. And we get to find out more about why Ash is the chosen one, why the scale is hunt, hunted Ash down to get him to help out. And at the same time, while this is going on, we got the little mini Ash. Well, not the mini, mini Ashes, but just the evil puppet size Ash that's going around and Chucky and everybody running around with his little kitchen knife. And uh, pushing the reanimator to say this, to read one page from the Necronomicon. And the reanimator's like, oh, how'd you read it? And he's like, just read the damn page. So the reanimator's finding out and realizing that something's up. And that's a good thing. But the story's staying strong. I'm enjoying it. And we'll see where it goes. And then they have a little dispatch in the back where people could write in and stuff. And they answer questions and things. Of course, all the wonderful advertisement and all the different covers that you can get. But, yeah. I could have waited and traded this one out. But I'm glad I jumped on it. And if it would have came back out now when I'm in this trade mode, I would have waited and traded it. But you'll just see if it holds up for a while. I don't think it'll go on beyond five comics, but we'll see. Next up, we have the Vampire Slayer. Number three and number four. Into every generation, a slayer is born, a chosen one. They alone will wield the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and the forces of darkness, to stop the spread of their evil and the swell of their number. They are the Slayer. In this issue, well, two issues, we get a little deeper story. The first one's more focused on Xander, and Xander has a problem with his relationship. And just so happens to come across Spike while he's dealing with his issues. And Spike was on the hunt and noticed that Xander was attracting certain beings that normally wouldn't latch on to you unless you had certain issues going on. And 
we get to see how Spike and Xander deal with it. And it was interesting. And then issue four, I've been getting all the cool blood covers with the foil red and stuff. For some reason, this one wasn't. I don't know if I screwed up and ordered the wrong one or if they just didn't send me the right one. But I will have to go back and look at my invoice on that one. But in this story, we get a little deeper with Buffy and Willow and uh, where their where their abilities lie, I guess. Because as you know, Buffy's the original Slayer, but then she disappeared, had some issues. Something happened to her. Willow ended up with Slayer powers and we're just waiting for Buffy to have a huge wake-up flashback or something to kind of get her back to where she needs to be. But throughout this, we get to see Buffy having some feelings, noticing certain things, and everything's getting a little deeper to that point where I think we're going to see the Slayer wake up and remember who she actually was and get back to where the story should be. Now, during this, of course, we have entities causing issues and things popping up, especially a character that's very interesting in the end of the book that I want want to know more about. I'm curious what that character had to do with everything, but hopefully we'll find out next issue. And then we got the final issue of Willie's Wonderland, number four from American Mythology Productions. This was wonderful, this run, just getting all the information that was kind of missing if you watched the movie at all, which was, I believe was on Netflix. Uh, and I wanted to know why this one character in the movie was there that Nicolas Cage plays and this helps us get that understanding I was very happy about that and we also get to learn how all the characters started out where they came from and we get to deal with a big part of that here with dealing with them all being in a psycho ward type of environment and we get to see who is controlling them who is taking care of everything, why certain people are at this new uh, place, this town and by Willie's Wonderland. And yeah, we kind of get to see how certain characters come to be. And this was a big, big finale to this run to help us understand all that stuff. I want to go back and read issue one to four again just to get everything all at once instead of reading it waiting two months reading a little more that always gets irritating not getting a good solid storyline then the last ones we got is wolverine patch number three and number four and i was thinking this was the end of it but it looks like there's at least one more issue on it But we get more of the Wolverine hanging out with the Russians that have super strength. 
We get to see why they're being hunted, who's hunting them. There's parties hunting parties that are hunting parties. We got Nick Fury keeping an eye on things and sending certain robotic, uh, I think, I don't know if they're robotic or humans and special uh, cyborg style units. Not cyborg, what is it called when you climb into a metal shell? Uh, I just can't think of it. But I think they're human operated, but they also have all kinds of special abilities and stuff that uh, Nick Fury and them built them to do. I'm sure they had a whole concept that they built everything around. The little girl that's part of the group has been probably the one that's been burning herself out the most helping everybody between healing Wolverine when he's at the edge of death uh, healing her the other two Russian sidekicks they're working with this group and we get to see big battles between what I think four different crews between these two issues and it basically teaches us everything we need to know to get us caught up on everything and then and who these characters are, what they, where they came from, what was going on, why Wolverine's part of all this. And it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. I think there's one more issue left, maybe two, but I am out of time for this segment. I will be back with the MS Health segment right after this. Okay, let's talk about the health portion of the show. The health segment, some MS, some whatever. Let's talk about the difference or the similarity of multiple sclerosis and lupus. See, multiple sclerosis and systemic lupus, erythematosus, basically lupus, are both serious diseases that result from a failure of the body's immune system to function properly. In MS, the body's immune system damages myelin, the protective layer around our nerves. This interferes with communication from your brain to the rest of your body. The result is a variety of symptoms such as weakness or numbness in the limbs, vision problems, fatigue, dizziness, bowel and bladder problems. There's some debate among doctors about whether MS should be considered an autoimmune disease. Researchers haven't yet found the MS substance that would trigger the body's immune response, the antigen. Instead, MS is sometimes referred to as an immune-mediated condition rather than an autoimmune disease. Lupus is an autoimmune disease, which means the immune system reacts against healthy antigens. These are proteins that trigger the body's immune response. It's as if the immune system can't tell the difference between antigens 
that are supposed to be in your body and infections or other foreign invaders that the immune system is supposed to attack. With lupus, your immune system attacks various parts of the body, such as skin, joints, internal organs. Now, they say that, but I thought... I thought our immune system was so high in multiple sclerosis that it was attacking our body, even our good parts of our body, our good cells. That's what I was told for many years now. And now they're saying they don't know if it is an autoimmune disease. I don't care what you call it. (laughs) I just want to know what the hell it does to me and... What the hell I can do to sit there and get rid of it or ease the issues with it or whatever. uh, You don't have to give it a classification. Classifications don't mean shit to people when they have the disease. We just want to know what we can do to fix it. But yeah, it's... I feel they're... It's like I'm not a doctor. Talk to your doctor about everything. I just read this shit and give my two cents. But I believe whoever wrote this doesn't really know much about MS because if you talk to a lot of doctors, they will tell you that your your immune system's overly responsive and it's damaging stuff that it shouldn't. And I don't know, that's what I was always to believe in. The current medication I'm on, Mavenclad, it's like kills the T and B cells, and you hope that the new cells that come back don't attack your your body like the old cells used to. Alright, common symptoms between the two. MS and lupus have some distinct symptoms. Hey, I take a drink of water here, sorry. People with MS may experience difficulty walking, vision loss, slurred speech, whereas lupus, on the other hand, often causes skin rashes and fever. MS and lupus do do have several things in common, however. The arthritis that accompanies lupus can often be mistaken for joint and muscle stiffness, and pain that's caused by MS. The two diseases could also leave you feeling very tired. MS and lupus are also alike in that symptoms can come and go. People with lupus may refer to having a flare, which means the symptoms are prominent. These symptoms can include joint pain, rashes, weight loss, anemia, muscle aches, and fatigue. Sometimes the symptoms are like those you've had in the past, while other flares can bring on new symptoms. Many people with MS also have relapsing remitting symptoms. This means that signs of the disease can develop over a period of weeks and then gradually disappear. The remission period can last a couple of months or a couple of years. However, as the disease progresses, many symptoms tend to get worse without going into remission. 
The most obvious signs of worsening MS are walking problems, which that again, I don't know why that's the most obvious signs of worsening MS. That doesn't make sense to me because gait issues were highly prevalent in me early with multiple sclerosis. Eye issues sometimes for people are the more prevalent signs of them having the disease and progressing. I mean, I think many of our our spasticity issues, any of our issues that increase are signs of worsening as far as I'm concerned. I don't know why they're saying some of these things in here. I don't agree with this article that much, but we'll see. I could be wrong. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Doctors usually determine that you have MS by illness. Yeah, we know that. It's also possible to have over- overlapping diseases like lupus and other autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis. Now, you just said it's not an autoimmune disease. Now you're saying it is. <laughs> the diseases also tend to cluster in families, meaning that you have, may have one autoimmune disease while a sibling or parent has a different type. Uh, it's unlike well it's unlikely to have both ms and lupus it's common for someone with ms to be incorrectly diagnosed with lupus because of the things that they share in common aside from lupus ms actually has several other mimic conditions including lyme disease Part of the confusion is that there is no signal diagnostic test for MS. Uh, Managing the disease, neither lupus nor MS can be cured. There is no cure. A variety of medications can help you control symptoms, or they can get you sicker. (laughs) Like right now, I am just, I am suffering. I did my... Week one of my second year of Mavenclad, and I have been nauseous and pukey and extra sore ever since. I uh, was hoping I wouldn't be nauseous these few weeks after taking the medication, but I'm still highly nauseous to this day to the point that I'm sitting close to the bathroom, just in case I do have to run in there. But... Some treatments and lifestyle changes can help treat them both. (laughs) These are such bullshit to me also. Uh, Get plenty of rest. Rest often helps shorten a flare and can help you deal with weakness and fatigue symptoms. I'm sorry, but I can deep sleep for two, three days straight. And it won't do shit to my fatigue or my pains, or any other issues that I have. It's almost like the more I sleep, the worse I am. Engage in regular physical activity. This can sometimes help you get through a lupus flare faster. and can help improve your strength and coordination if you're dealing with symptoms of MS. 
can, when I increase my physical activity, my issues increase. I can do it regularly for months and I, my issues still increase. It doesn't matter. Eat a healthy diet. A healthy diet is recommended for everyone, but people with lupus may have certain dietary restrictions. People with MS may also be advised to get more vitamin D in their diet. So I say, constantly say, build it around you. Make it one that you can deal with. It's best to have the anti-inflammatory aspects of it, but I just... Following numbers, the MS numbers and stuff out there, you hear all these people with these protocols and these diet, and you hear all these people that are following them and trying them, and numbers aren't changing. Numbers are still accumulating, getting worse. So these diets and programs and stuff are helping. Our numbers should be going down. But we're still seeing secondary progressive MS increase with people but the numbers of overall people are increasing also that's why you get more but you're still got the smaller percentages that have it same with uh, progressive multiple sclerosis primary progressive multiple sclerosis ppms i don't know i would think with all these programs being out there for this many years and how many people that have the diseases that are following these programs, I would think numbers would be changing, but they aren't. So you guys got to give me more evidence to back these things. Practice stress relief, uh, taking a class of meditation, learning relaxation, breathing. Uh, Stress and anxiety is bad for everybody. It can cause you to, uh, I'm not a doctor, but they say, I've heard them say that it can cause you to have issues. And that's, so why bother with it? Why take the chance? I mean, just, basically, they say, If you have any of the symptoms mentioned above or you feel that something just isn't right, don't hesitate to talk with your doctor. It may take some time and a variety of tests to determine what's wrong, but the sooner you know what you're dealing with, the faster you can start treating it. Both MS and lupus present challenges with diagnosis and treatment. Being proactive about your health and engage with your doctor when you experience symptoms can help you rise to that challenge. Yeah, it's an interesting thing is lupus does have some issues that connect with my issues too. So I'd like to look into that a little more. See if since my skin doctors won't give me no damn answers about my skin issues, it's like I contacted my skin doctor's nurse because I had a huge boil forming in my thigh just below my buttocks my left buttocks and my left leg and it's during while i'm taking the maven cloud the second year so with the tmb cells down i think it makes my 
skin issues increase because with the my immunities my body doesn't have as much protection as it should and i think that causes my skin irritations to increase so i asked if there was just some simple trick they had to try and relieve some of the severe pain you get when you put pressure on it because it really hurts when you're sitting on a toilet and it just so happened to appear the week of the maven cloud and when you're sitting on the toilet for long periods of time because you're constipated and trying to get something to flow uh it really sucks when you're sitting on a toilet seat and it's putting that pressure right on it on the edge and it burns and hurts and it's like okay could you just give me some some tip well we'll put you on antibiotics which we've tried multiple times with the same results not a damn thing or we got that other thing we talked about it's like i told you last year because i looked back and it looks like a year prior to me contacting him now was when I contacted him last time and seen him and he put me on antibiotics and stuff. And it just so happened. It was right when I was doing the first year of Maven Cloud. So there's obviously a connection to my skin irritations being worse, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, kept coming back with things like well we could try this it could possibly be this it's like you should know me you should know that i've had this issue for 35 plus years uh why are you treating me like this is something new and you couldn't give me an answer to my question but you wanted pictures and all that so we wasted like three days contacting each other back and forth and by then the pain was starting to back down and i'm like yeah i'll just deal with it live with it now i'm not gonna do antibiotics i'll make an appointment after i feel better after doing the final week of maven clad i'm not scheduling an appointment at this moment yet and it just so happened to a month ago or so take mom up to a dermatologist in Fonlag, and this guy just had all kinds of information that no one else has given me. So I think I might even switch to him and give him a chance. See what he can come up with. But yeah. So like I said, fire your doctors if they're not going to. If they don't understand what you're going through. And they obviously don't pay attention enough to know that. I've had this for 35 years. And they should know this because they have examined me multiple times. And we've talked about all this. And then you're treating me like it's a new special type of sore. It's like, no, it's the same shit I got all over my damn body. And it's just, you guys aren't giving me nothing to keep it away or get rid of it. It's like, so until you come up with something that has a proven track record that I can see, I'm not taking no more shit, especially shit that my neurologist says could kill me if I take that while I'm taking the Mavenclad med. Medita- medication? I don't think so. Obviously, don't give a shit enough about me to help me out because it's like they almost got mad because I wouldn't try out their next 
plan. It's like my doctor straight up told me that if I do it, there is a chance of death because of the crossing the two medications together. I ain't going to take the freaking medication then. It's like, I just don't understand why cops and doctors and <laughs> postal workers and government officials, everybody gets so pissy about shit. It's like, if you're not here to help us, why the hell are you even in those positions? <laughs> the first thing you should consider if you're going to get into any of those positions. Do I want to help my people? (laughs) The people of the world. Dumbass. Alright, let's look at some stretching. Have you ever heard of PNF? PNF stretching? I know I never did. Let's see here. Flexibility is key for athletes and non-athletes alike. Uh, one of the best ways to increase your flexibility is by stretching, which I totally agree. Get on a routine and stay on that routine. It's amazing how fast your body can start to loosen up. Suggest that not all stretching techniques are created equal. Proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation, PNF, stretching relies on reflexes, to produce deeper stretches that increase flexibility. According to the International PNF Association, PNF stretching was developed by Dr. Herman Kabat in the 1940s as a means to treat neuromuscular conditions, including polio and multiple sclerosis. Why have I never heard of this till now? PNF techniques have since gained popularity with physical therapists and other fitness professionals. I have not heard about it from my physical therapist or other fitness professionals. So, I don't know where these people are. It's easy to understand why. According to research from the University of Queensland, PNF stretching may be the most effective stretching technique for increasing range of motion. While there are multiple PNF stretching techniques, all of them rely on stretching a muscle to its limit. Doing this triggers the inverse myotatic, myotic, myotatic reflex, a protective reflex that calms the muscle to prevent injury. Basically, the PNF causes the brain to go, I don't want that muscle to tear, and sends a message to let the muscle relax a little more than it would normally. Some techniques. Make sure I got time. I don't want to run out of time during this. There's hold relax, which can trigger the reflex is commonly called hold relax. This involves putting a muscle in a stretching position, also called a passive stretch, and holding for a few seconds. Contracting the muscle without moving, also called isometric, such as pushing gently against the stretch without actually moving. 
This is when the reflex is triggered and there is a 6 to 10 second window of opportunity for a beyond normal stretch. This person says, Black says, relaxing the stretch and then stretching again while exhaling. The second stretch should be deeper than the first. And we've used that technique. I used it in Taekwondo and other martial arts or we'd stretch to a point and then stretch further and then redo the stretches and you can notice that you're flexing further and further. I get that concept. Another common technique, PNF technique, is the contract relax stretch. It's almost identical to the hold relax, except that instead of contracting the muscle without moving, the muscle is contracted while moving. This is some call, sometimes called isotonic stretching. For example, in a hamstring stretch, this could mean a trainer provides resistance as an athlete contracts the muscle and pushes the leg down towards the floor. And there's the hold relax contract. A third technique is similar to hold relax, except that after pushing against the stretch, Instead of relaxing into a passive stretch, the athlete actively pushes into the stretch. For example, in a hamstring stretch, this could mean engaging the muscles to raise the leg further as the trainer pushes in the same direction. Uh, They say if you want to start, To improve your general flexibility, they say target the long kinetic chains in the body, and they include side fascia, hip flexors, hamstrings, glutes, and back. Uh, Some tips. Every time you exhale and deepen the stretch, you should see a noticeable, noticeable change in range of motion from 10 to 15 10 to 45 degrees, she says. Uh, She recommends breathing through stretches and using calming thoughts to avoid tightening up during the stretch. And when using PNF, keep it simple and just remember, contract, relax, breathe, and stretch, she says. The nervous system and reflexes will do the rest. By working with your natural reflexes, PNF stretching is an easy and effective way to increase your overall flexibility and range of motion. So yeah, you might have to check it out and try it. But yeah, I've done that in martial arts and you were able to stretch a little further and it was nice, especially when we were trying to use a stretchy machine on our legs and stuff. Ah, the warrior diet. It gets a Healthline diet score of 1.67 out of 5. It's not that great. Uh, Basically, the bottom line, the warrior diet is a type of intermittent fasting involving long periods of under-eating followed by short bursts of overeating. This pattern is inappropriate for many people and may lead to Disordered disordered eating plus very few studies 
support it. I don't like that concept. Why would you eat eat harsh and then eat freely and then just expect things to get better? I don't. Warrior diet is a type of intermittent fasting that it revolves around 20-hour periods of under under eating, followed by four-hour periods of overeating. See that? I do the 24, 24 intermittent fasting when I'm on it. Right now I'm off it because of the nauseous and being on this new med- this medication for the final year. But uh, yeah, I believe in 20 hours of fasting and four hours of eating. Standard is 16-8 with most people, 16 not eating, eight hours eating. But they're talking doing mild eating. So it's just, I don't like, you're basically not fasting in my opinion if you're eating anything. But intermittent fasting normally may aid in weight loss, improve brain health, decrease inflammation, improve blood sugar control. But methods of fasting, of intermittent fasting, like the warrior diet, may help reduce weight, improve brain health, lower blood sugar, and reduce inflammation, but not as well as just regular intermittent fasting. In my thing, the negative side effects of the warrior diet, potential side effects include fatigue, dizziness, low energy, lightheadedness, anxiety, and insomnia, extreme hunger, low blood sugar, hypoglycemia, constipation, fainting, fainting, irritability, hormonal imbalance, and weight gain. Yeah, that's not for me then. So, yeah, I don't like the warrior diet concept at all. Then they want to know ghee. Is it healthier than butter? The hell is ghee? Ghee is a type of clarified butter that's stable at room temperature. It has been used in Indian cooking and Ayurvedic medicine since ancient times. Ghee can be made by heating butter to remove the water and milk solids from the fat. Uh, Ghee and butter have similar nutritional profiles, but ghee may... May be a better choice for those with lactose or casein sensitivities. While ghee is typically better for high temperature cooking, butter has a sweeter taste that may be more suitable for baking. Ghee is rich in important nutrients like vitamin A, omega-3 fatty acids, and conjugated linoleic acid. It may also help reduce gut inflammation and support Heart health, the potential adverse effects of ghee include increased LDL bad cholesterol levels and a formation of oxidized cholesterol during its production. Ghee is easy to make at home using unsalted butter. It can be stored for three to four months at room temperature and last up to one year in the refrigerator. Bottom line is, ghee is a natural food with a long history of medicinal and culinary uses. It provides certain cooking advantages over butter and is certainly preferable 
if you have a dairy allergy or intolerant or intolerance. However, no evidence suggests that it's healthier than butter overall. Both can be enjoyed in moderation as part of a healthy diet. Yeah, I'll stick with my extra virgin olive oil, my 